Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com spoken today. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Welcome to another new episode of Dying Light. I am your host, Pastor Alex, and we are back at it once again with another new episode. This week, we are going to look at the blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. So we will pick up here in Matthew chapter 12 at the 22nd verse, and we'll work through to verse 32. I will probably just focus this episode solely on this topic, mainly because there's going to be some rabbit holes I'm sure we will uncover and some things that we may go down. And so I want to just focus solely on this little passage and then uh, we'll go on to the next things. And there's quite a bit happening here uh, in this latter portion of chapter 12. So we have a tree is known by its fruits, which is an interesting um, section of verses that ties back to uh, Matthew 7. Uh, And then we have the sign of Jonah, which will then take us you know, to the book of Jonah, and we'll talk about Jonah and the and uh, the city of Nineveh, and and you know the belly of the fish. So we will do that, and uh, then the return of the unclean spirit, and then Jesus's mother and brother. So we've got uh, some interesting text to work through in the next few episodes, and I hope uh, that you guys are enjoying this. I've had some comments um, so far that you have thoroughly enjoyed the Matthew series, and I'm very blessed to hear that, so thank you. Um, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram if you want, uh, and or you can just hit up the Undying Light Ministries page, too. I try to check that at least once or twice a week, so I should update it. You know, I should put, like, a show clip out, but I I, I forget, and, and, like, I have them saved in my email, and then I just forget, so <laughs> forgive me for that. I will try to get better uh, as we go along, but a lot of things happening uh, in the life outside of the ministry. So we're uh, trying to cram through and get everything done and, and locked away and move on in the next step. So, uh, you know, as always, the commercials are in the back end of the episode. So I won't sit here and, and bore you out with with trying to promote uh, patron or anything like that. If you do want to support this ministry, dollar a month gets you fully full access to everything. Uh, it just gets you behind the scenes stuff, gets you uh, more 
access to what we do outside of just the show, uh, Bible studies and um, in private exclusive shows. We're going to do Genesis right now after I record this episode. We're um, somewhere in the middle of chapter two there. Uh, so those are just bonus things. Dollar a month gets you full access. Undying Light um, at Patreon. So patreon.com forward slash Undying Light. So that's that. Let's get into the topic today. And oh, by the way, before we do, I do hope that the quality of the show is is progressed a little bit more than last week. Uh, just the weirdest glitches two weeks ago on quality. And it just, uh, you know, I've lost my Windows machine, as I had mentioned, and my Mac was just not cooperating. It had reset all of my settings in GarageBand and completely hosed me out on just so much uh, junk. So I'll make sure to listen back through and see if I can't continue to apply those tweaks at the end of the show in hopes that this doesn't sound like I'm in a tin can or it sounds like I've got too much uh, lows in my voice or too many highs or mids, you know, equalize all of that out as best as I can and try and make those subtle improvements each week. So uh, let's get into it today. Uh, the text at hand is Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 through 32. And let's begin. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him, so that the man spoke and saw, and all the people were amazed, and said, Can this be the son of David? And when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only Belzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Belzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather me scatters me. Gathers, my apologies, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, uh, will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. So, uh, really quick, you know, I, I, I try to make this show as real and raw as possible. I'm just a simple pastor in the middle of Iowa in his basement studio recording a podcast. And so I'm going to mess up. Uh, sometimes they're fine. Sometimes they're just little blips. Sometimes I like I have to actually go back and cut something out because I cough or sneeze or, you know, you know something like that it happens. Um, but, you know, when I stumble over something, I'm going to leave that in because that's the realism of the show that I generally try to take this all in one fell swoop of a recording and then publish it for you. So I do apply some minor edits if I need to, like I said, because I don't want, you know, a burp or a hiccup or a, you know, a sneeze or anything like that to be on the track and you know, cut that kind of stuff out. But, you know, if I'm going to stumble over some words or I'm going to get hung up on Belzebul. I'm going to leave that in totally, totally fine with that. And I hope you guys are too, because again, it's just me talking to you, teaching you a little bit about the scriptures in hopes that you 
can walk away from this show just thinking a little bit more about the complexities, the intricacies, and the glorious mercy of our Lord and Savior. So, uh, verse 22, let's dig into it. This demon-oppressed blind man, uh, it's just another example of how Jesus has healed them all. This is a, you know, kind of a complex uh, situation here. This man is demon-oppressed. Uh, whether that demon uh, hindered his eyesight and made him mute, we don't really know from this text. All we know is he is uh, possessed and he does have blindness and muteness. So it uh, could go together, could be separate instances, but Jesus heals them, takes care of all of it. And uh, then the crowds, the people who are amazed uh, are, you know, calling out, can this be the son of man or the son of David? And so this takes us again to uh, the beginning portion of Matthew, when we see David tied into the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And uh, so we can go there and we can even turn back to the Old Testament text and look at uh, the promises given to David. I believe they're in 1 Samuel. And I'm not going to recall the chapter off the top of my head, but they uh, God comes to David and tells him that from his uh, offspring, there will be one who will rule over his throne forever. Um, and so that is where we have the son of David come from. It's not Solomon as, as David had thought and, and the people of Israel had thought because Solomon goes off to stumble on his own after he has all these wives and concubines and turns to worship their pagan gods. So it is Jesus Christ who is the fulfillment of the son of David prophecy. Uh, verse 24, but when the Pharisees heard it, they said, uh, it is only Belzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out. So the Pharisees rejected the people's conclusion and asserted that his that the power of Jesus to uh, heal has a different source. It is not divine. It is not from God. It has to be the demons. It has to be from the pits of hell. Now, we can get into the discussion of whether or not you believe hell is a current existing place, uh, you know, like the, the Hollywood images of, you know, a big underground key with hellfire and brimstone and the, and death and the devil down there, this little fork thing poking you. And you've got all these little demons flying around, torturing people that that's, that's really a very unbiblical view of hell, uh, hell and Hades or, or the land of the dead, or Abraham's bosom, how, wherever you want to kind of draw the line and classify the afterlife, the construct of hell, the eternal lake of fire, is not actually begun, if you would, and even or, or established, is another word, uh, until the day of judgment, when Jesus separates the sheep and the goats, and the goats go into the pit of fire with Satan and all of his demons. And so you'll read through the text and you'll often see how uh, Satan is the, you know, the prince of this world and he's active in here. He's searching out his prey like a roaring lion. That is a very common thread through the, through the Bible. In fact, we even see that in, in Genesis in chapter 3 when the serpent comes to Eve. And so Satan and his minions aren't chilling in some underground cavern full, filled with hellfire and brimstone. Uh, hell is not in the construct of what Hollywood likes to tell us. It is, you know, the place of the dead. And we could argue the uh, how that looks at the moment. I would venture to say, based upon uh, 
what we have from Scripture, the very little bits that we have. It's a place of utter darkness, gnashing of teeth, and just pure disconnect from God. Now, that is for the unbelievers. We, 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 all we know is for the believers what happens after their, their initial death. We know exactly what happens to all people at the resurrection, the day of the Lord. But for uh, us in the meantime, there's not a lot of text that tells us exactly what will happen upon our death. It, there are splinters that we can take and kind of maybe start to paint a picture. And the best way I was explained to it in seminary is when you die, the next word you will hear is Jesus telling you to get up and follow him. And so you have this, you know, the, you're, you're outside of the, the scope of time now. Time doesn't exist anymore in death. It has no factor or authority over you. You exist outside of it. Time continues to go on in the world, but you have now left the world. And so you are now in the spiritual planes. You are in, you know, the spiritual heaven, and Jesus is there to take you. And we can uh, attribute that knowledge to the thief on the cross when Jesus tells him, today you'll be with me in paradise. And so the thief is going to die that day, and Jesus is going to take him with him into paradise. And so we know that for the believer, there is this temporal bliss of time with Christ before the day of judgment and the establishment of the new heavens and new earth. For the unbeliever, we don't really have anything said outside of the gnashing of teeth and utter darkness. Uh, those texts would probably refer to the place of the dead, um, Hades even, and uh, which is you know the Greek word for hell. So however you want to kind of construct that word. Uh, but like I said, I, I personally am not a believer of the notion that hell, the fire, hellfire and brimstone place with the devil and his pitchfork, that's what it's called, a pitchfork, and uh, all of his little demons floating around, that's not something existing at this very moment. In fact, Satan doesn't even get to uh, torture people. It is, it is Jesus that makes that judgment, and they get thrown into the lake of fire. And I would venture to say the lake of fire is what's going to torture the people. Um, again, we don't have much in terms of scripture that really point us to that. But all of that to say, I mean, and there's a lot that we can go down there. There's a few books that were written um, that we can deal with it. Um, but eschatology uh, is a bigger scope, a bigger focus of that, what happens afterwards. Um, so there's a lot of books out there, depending on what your brand or flavor of eschatology is. Me personally, I'm a, a millennialist or a revealed eschatologist. I believe that uh, believers will be ushered into the new kingdom the new heavens and the new earth upon the day of judgment, and the unbelievers will be ushered into the lake of fire. But what the Pharisees are getting at here is they're, they're turning from what the people have assumed. So the people are starting to hopefully get a little bit of faith here. There's some splinters that are coming to them. And they are uh, having this, this thought, oh, maybe this is the son of David. And then the Pharisees go, no, 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 no. He can't be that. He is, he's got to be, uh, Belzebul, the prince of demons. And so he's casting out demons by being the demon. It is only be through him, through that power, that this man, Jesus, can do these things. And so we know they've rejected it and they turn for a different source. 
Uh, and then we see here from 25 and 26, first of four arguments that Jesus rises against the Pharisees' charge. Uh, and he suggests that their accusation was absurd and self-destructive. Satan would not undercut his own princely dominion. So Jesus responds to their accusation, and he says, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. No city or house divided against itself will stand. If Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? Point blank, right there. If a kingdom is casting out um, you know, the, itself, if it is going against itself, it will not stand. In fact, interestingly enough, and I, this is kind of one of the rabbit holes, is the current climate of the United States. And this is the, the us versus them marker. In fact, I was just having a, I, I wouldn't even call it a debate, more of an argument, because this guy's a, um, an atheist, and he's always chiming in on uh, a particular page that I follow. And every once in a while, I like to put my two cents in on him. But the fact that he's defending the uh, LGBTQ notion of allowing school-aged children to come and participate, elementary-aged students to come and participate, and he's for that, but he's against prayer in school, leads me to think he's an enabler and a groomer. Right? He's, he's allowing and encouraging children to be to, to pay witness to this. You know, I have a five-year-old and I have a two-year-old. My five-year-old uh, went to preschool. She has no understanding of sexuality. She has no understanding of any of that sort of thing yet. Why would I want to teach her that? She's not mentally capable of it yet. It is not in her grasp to understand. Why would I want to show her such derogatory things and encourage her to promote, respect, and love this because it's utter trash. So it is an us versus them thing. Here we, here in the United States, we have us versus them, believers versus unbelievers. And we could say that this is kind of the general thing that's happened throughout time for one. But here in the States, it seems to be really, you know, becoming a, a, a massive fight. And it's not just believers because we even have uh, atheists and unbelievers and other religions standing against these people that support the Pride Month. And so we have all of this kind of range of people and, uh, you know, standing against what I would deem as the forces of Satan. Whether they believe or not, they're doing the will and the work of God to stand against them. Great. But here we have a kingdom, the United States, uh, a nation, if you would, uh, it is divided against itself. It is us versus them. That is exactly what they want. And so, to be quite truthful, uh, I would love to see this nation kind of regain its its you know morality a little bit. Uh, I know that we were never or will never be a Christian nation, but I would like to see you know some sort of common sense come back into the people's minds. Um, and if not, then I fear greatly for my children and their children who uh, would have to grow up in this nation. And for a fact, we probably would end up leaving this nation if it gets so bad. But there are strongholds and there are many states that uh, still hold out, which is great. But anyways, uh, so Jesus gives us that analogy. You know, if a kingdom is divided against itself, it's not going to stand. It will fall. So then he turns into verse 27, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do you cast your sons out by? So Jesus is uh, taking this attempted exp expulsion of evil spirits or demons 
which is now what we call exorcism, uh, that was practiced in the biblical world. We know that the Pharisees had this. We know that this is a, wouldn't say common thing, but it would it, it happen. We don't have a lot of text, but there's some out there that show us and give us a little bit of um, bit of a picture to paint here. Uh, Jesus's question and really the second argument suggests that the sons or students of the Pharisees claim that same power. They claim that they could cast out demons, and so if Jesus is doing it and they are doing it, then how you know who who's doing it for by the will of God, or who's doing it by you know the power of uh, Belzebul? So Jesus is turning that argument again back into the self. So in verse twenty-eight, we have our third argument. It is by but if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So his third argument, bold assertion, that he casts out demons by the power of the Holy Spirit. This proves to the Pharisees and to the crowds that once again God's kingdom is at hand. We can go back to chapter 4, verse 17, and chapter 10, verse 7 to see that demonstrated. Present in his very person among unbelieving uh, Pharisees. So Jesus there is there. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, and it is upon them. He is the kingdom of heaven, and so he is standing there in the midst of the unbelieving Pharisees making this declaration. Uh, verse 29, uh, how can some, or how can someone enter a strong man's home and plunder his goods? This is now the fourth argument, and it's a small parable. Uh, Jesus points out that Satan was very strong and must first be bound before anyone can even plunder his house. Only one stronger than Satan can plunder Satan's household and rescue those captive by his demonic host. Uh, this is what Paul writes in Colossians 1, 13 through 14. And so we know that Jesus is stronger than Satan. We know that Jesus uh, withstood the, te the temptations uh, that Satan threw at him for the 40 days in the desert and the wilderness. We know that Jesus is triumphant and he is the one who crushes the serpent's head. And so he's the one who can go in and bind uh, Satan and plunder his house and rescue those held captive. Now, this is an interesting mark because uh, when Jesus dies, we would assert a couple of things. One, he takes the, the thief with him to paradise. That's one thing. Two, Jesus goes into the underworld and does a couple of things. He either is speaking to the captives in prison and giving them a chance to repent we don't have a definitive marker on that, but we know he goes and speaks to the spirits that were captive, uh, and then he goes and frees spirits. We don't know the sequence of events. We don't know what he did first. We do know that upon his death, when the temple, uh, the shrine there in the temple, that, that uh, veil is torn in two from top to bottom, uh, we know that the dead, according to Matthew, arise and walk amongst the living so there's a few things here that are really particular and fascinating, more or less, to see uh, what Jesus is going to do. But again, this is just kind of a, a, a small, small, small foreshadowing of that time between the cross and the grave and the resurrection. And so we, we know that Jesus is doing active things in this time period. He's not just resting he is actively freeing people and calling people to heaven. And so now, because Jesus has died, he's taken the keys of Hades and allows those that he desires to come, those who have faith, to follow him into 
paradise. So he is basically giving them the stance that he is, in fact, the son of God. He is, in fact, the son of David. He is, in fact, stronger than Satan and therefore has the ability and the authority to uh, stand against Satan and cast out these demons. So in verse 31, therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. So uh, Jesus is telling the Pharisees this solemn warning about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy is an extreme slander or a curse of the deity. Old Testament law pronounced death and absolutely no forgiveness on anyone who blasphemed God, as Leviticus 24.16 records. This was the charge against Jesus that led to his crucifixion. Matthew 26, 65-66. Jesus declares, though, that those who slander him as a human being could be forgiven. Those who called his miracles the devil's work were blaspheming the Holy Spirit and could not be forgiven. The Holy Spirit is true of God, is the true God. Um, no one who worries about having committed this unforgivable sin is guilty of it. So, uh, We'll come back to that last sentence here in a moment, uh, but I want to say this. So Jesus is saying, you can you can say all the things that you want about me. You can say all the evil things. Slander me is the worst that you can. Uh, I, can I will still forgive those. Jesus is telling them, you can still be forgiven. You are killing people that believe in Christ. You can still be forgiven. That's what he does with Paul. What also... You know, and then what he's saying is, is, but when you attribute my miracles, my works to the devils, then that cannot be forgiven because you are not believing in the work of Christ. And so you have rejected the promise, you've rejected the gospel, you've rejected all of that, and you have bound yourself essentially to a lie, and you have deceived yourself into thinking that God would not come in the form of man and simply cannot be performing these miracles. And so Jesus is saying, I will forgive everything except those who do not believe. If you do not believe, you cannot be forgiven. Those who do not believe and those who attribute the works, the miracles of Christ and the miracles of the church to Satan's work, they are blaspheming the Holy Spirit and cannot be forgiven. Now this last little sentence here, uh, no one no one who worries about having committed this unforgivable sin is guilty of it. I have had countless DMs over the years of people going, Oh, I am so fearful that I'm that I did this. I blasphemed the Holy Spirit. I'm so fearful of the consequences that are to that are gonna come. I, I, I won't make it to heaven. And I'm like, okay, so what'd you say? What'd you do? Well, you know, I I, I, you know, I took the Lord's name in vain, or I or I did something, right? And I said, okay, do you still believe in Christ? Yeah. Well, there you go. You didn't commit the sin. You didn't commit the unforgivable sin. Those who worry about it so much, they didn't do it. Uh, those who don't have to worry about it and do it, you know, the, the disbelief, they are the ones guilty of it. So it is well for us to be reminded that if we are sitting here struggling in our thought process and worrying over whether or not we actually said something, or didn't say something, or we acted in a manner that we shouldn't have acted, or we didn't act in a manner that we should have acted, none of that's going to take us away from the love of Christ. The only thing that can is not believing in the promise. Let me repeat that. The only thing that can that, that will separate us 
from God is not believing in God. Just cling to that promise. Please, please, please. Uh, so this verse 32 is speaking against. Uh, this is a synonym for blasphemy. Um, and Jesus is, again, asserting that if you speak blasphemy against me, the Son of Man, you will be forgiven. But whoever does it against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Uh, this is another uh, kind of an assertion, a restatement of verse 31, that you can slander Christ all you want, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, whose work was to draw faith and to deliver people. And of those two things, if you are attributing either that to the devil, then you are discrediting the Holy Spirit's work. You will not be forgiven, uh, not in this age, and especially the age to come that is on the day of judgment, when you will be cast into the lake of fire as being an unbeliever. So the Pharisees claim that Belzebul, the prince of demons, has enabled Jesus to overpower demons, and this leads Jesus to declare, whoever is not with me is against me. One cannot be neutral in spiritual matters. To be indifferent or uh, apathetic about Jesus is to be on one is to be on the side of those who refuse to confess that he is, in fact, the Messiah. He alone saves the world from sin, death, and the power of the devil. So if you're not with him, you are against him. That is the message from this passage. And if you're fearing that you've committed this blasphemy, you haven't. Just, just know you've probably sinned, and you should repent, and you should confess your sins to your preacher or those who you sinned against, but you did not commit the unforgivable sin. So that's going to wrap up today's episode, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in. As I said, we will. Uh, I've got some great text coming at you here in the back half of chapter 12, and really from here on, I, I, I love Matthew, so uh, every passage here is, is goldmine for us. Uh, so we will work through it and continue our journey through it. Uh, I have had some questions about some other bonus episodes or a small series that we may do. Uh, I'm getting my feet saturated in a few things, and, and once I kind of get some headway, we'll figure out how that looks, and we'll go from there. So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. It is Friday by the time this episode airs, so make sure you are at church on Sunday, and I pray being the first month, Sunday of the month in July, will be the second when this uh, that weekend comes, I pray that you are... Uh, you, you are in church and that you have a uh, the ability to partake in the sacraments. We will be administering the sacraments ourselves in our church. And so I look forward to, uh, to that. And uh, in fact, I even have a baptism on Sunday. So I got a double whammy for the sacraments. Pretty exciting. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in again. God bless. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you all later. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into this episode of Undying Light. 
If you did enjoy this episode, then consider joining us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. That means $1 per month will get you access to everything that we do behind the scenes. That includes early releases podcast episodes, bonus episodes that will never be released to the public, teaching videos, Bible studies, sermon notes, and anything else that may arise during the time, as well as early access to my book. That also entails that if you are a patron, when I complete the book, you will get a free copy of that said book. So that is just a few of the things that we do here at Undying Light. And we would greatly appreciate if you come and join this community. You'd have access to our chat groups on Instagram and our Discord channel where we keep everybody up to date and have wonderful conversations spanning the plethora of information. So $1 a month gets you full access to all of that. You can buy a whole year up front and get access for just about $10 and change. And that gives you 12 months uninterrupted access to Undying Light. The other promo I would like to share with you is Logos.com. You can get yourself a copy of this wonderful Bible software. You can download it free and uh, go in and just choose and purchase the books that you want, uh, whether you want a study Bible or just a couple commentaries. But the app itself is a wonderful program and allows me to quickly move through content without holding me up. I can search and find all of the available resources in my library that talk about whatever topic that I'm covering and I can draw from it and I can read through it and I can have all of it right in front of me. In fact, as I'm recording this, I have my study Bible open with my ESV Bible open and generally I'll have the book of Concord open and probably some of Luther's lectures or his uh, commentaries or anything else that he may have written, maybe even sermon notes, things like that up on the screen. Those tools are wonderful in helping you study. On top of all that, this is not an app just for theologians and pastors, but it can be used for anybody and everybody at any walk in their life. Wherever you are in your walk with Christ, this app can help benefit you. So logos.com forward slash undying light. You'll get yourself some discounts on packages where it will come designed to your specific denominational view. If you're Lutheran, you can get the Lutheran package. If you're Baptist or Reformed or Calvinist or Anglican or Catholic, or Jewish, you can get all of those packages at a discounted rate through that link. So you can find all that information in the show notes, as well as anything that pertains to fitness and health, as that is a, another mantra to my life. And if you have any questions on that, feel free to DM me. So thanks again, guys. Have a great day. God bless. We'll see you later. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 